understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Welcome back to another episode of The Stranded Podcast. I am so elated for this guest today because I recently stumbled upon her thanks to a mutual friend, and this woman is a powerhouse. I can't believe I didn't know about her, and she is the guest today. She is a TV host and founder of Good Morning La La Land. She is an author of an amazing book called Awakening. And she is an international speaker and just a beautiful soul and a doctor of divinity. I was blown away. So I'm so excited to dig deep with her today, really talk about our inner workings and our our soul and what's behind this need and want to be an entrepreneur and serve others. And I know she's going to have some gems for us today. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome to the Stranded Phase podcast, Dr. Erin Haskell. I am so excited to be here. And thank you so much for all your work. And you're just this amazing, lovely woman that I am so just thrilled to find out that you just left your corporate job. I mean, congratulations that's huge (laughs) thank you listen thank goodness I've done the work with comparison because when I read about how you were a millionaire by 30 I was like oh I'm way behind (laughs) no 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 it's just not Plus a million dollars is much money these days. No, right? I'm just kidding. Especially uh, no, I mean, no, it's no, it's no small feat. Congratulations to me and congratulate to, to anybody, but anyone can do it. That's the bottom line. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I completely forgot about your women's group, Soul Society. Soul Society. You could pronounce it perfectly, divinely. <laughs> Yes, my baby. That's what I'm birthing to the world, which is so fun. It is amazing. I can't wait to dig deep about that. And I can tell that it is definitely your passion project. So I want to get into that. But first of all, I just want you to tell my audience, because I know how amazing you are, but I want you to tell my audience a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do in LA right now and how you kind of got into this journey. Sure. I love that. So yeah, I mean, you know, Jessica said it right. I actually founded Good Morning La Land. It's uh, America's first live streaming daily talk show committed to positivity, inspiration, and really community showcasing people's trials and tribulations. And really the same message that you have here, knowing that everybody has gone through trials and tribulations and it's part of the journey. Um, I also, uh, of course, have Soul Society. So as a doctor of divinity, my greatest mission actually is to develop spiritual leaders. So Mm -hmm. I have, we do uh, events that are fun. Um, but we really get dive deep into soul entrepreneurship and training my ambassadors in becoming spiritual reprogramming subconscious mind coaches and building a business around it and building their own brands around it. So that's been so fun and just, I'm so excited. I have no idea what's going on. Yep. So I have so many questions about soul society. I'm so excited to talk about that. But first, you became an entrepreneur at 22. How did you know this was where you were going? Where did your journey kind of start? 
Sure. It's a great question. Well, I actually think that you kind of just have that nature in you and I remember I, my mom told me that I came home from school the first day of, I guess it was kindergarten. And she said, I came in the front door and I said, mom, how old do you have to be to quit school? And she's like, oh no. <laughs> I, think that I, just, I didn't understand. Like, I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then she said, I got you, you know, we didn't have any money. We we're very poor growing up. And she said, she got me ice skating classes because I was so like, I had this charisma and I'd be in the ice skating thing. And then as soon as I went to classes, I said, mom, I want to quit. And she said, why? I said, because she tells, they tell me when I do things and I just want to go out there and just have fun, you know, on the ice. So the point is, is this, is that I think that for me, I don't think there's a time you start being an entrepreneur or not. I think you have that creative factor and you're an innovator or you're not like there's different personalities and we're all creative beings. That's what our nature. But I think there's certain people that just have that visionary creative factor. And it's like, I call it like coming out of the closet. Like some people have to come out of the closet with being gay. I had to come out of the closet with being, you know, spiritual and, and an entrepreneur. I can't deny it. It's who I am. Like I could, I would die if I was in a traditional job. Mm. Mm. So what was your first venture before Good Morning La La Land, before your book? I Okay, so when I, I'm, I don't know if any of you guys know my story, but I had a stillborn at 22. I was in nursing school and I, I was full term and I had a stillborn. And then I got <gasps> pregnant a month to the day after with my son who now is 23. And what happened was when I was, after I'd had my son who's 23 now, the first, uh, after he was X amount of months old, I was going back to nursing school. And the first day I went back to nursing school, I had to pump milk in between classes. And when I came back to him at the, you know, at his babysitter, he was crying and he was in the other room. And I thought, no, I'm, and I quit nursing school that day. And I said, what can I do to at least have flexibility and be home with my son? So I went into real estate. And I began to actually buy and fix. I had no money, but I had enough money to put a down payment on a home and I bought and fixed it up. I think I made $4,000 off the, off the deal. And I began to build that. And I was doing my spiritual stuff on one side and my entrepreneur real estate stuff on the other side. And as I began to build the income in real estate, I had more time to do my spiritual work and I would do more and more because of my passion. Every minute I had free, I would do my spiritual work. Um, going to all the seminars and reading books and, you know, meditating, doing all this stuff. And then as I began to get more and more income, my amount of effort to make money went down and my free time went up and I would spend more and more time. And then I finally made the quantum leap into what my true passion was, which was spirituality. So you are telling me that 23, 24, you had already started this spiritual journey. Were you raised in a family that way or was it the stillborn or did you just kind of know this is something I'm super interested in? No, I, I, it was totally stillborn. I mean, I, I was, my mom was anti-religion, anti-spirituality because my dad had left to go find himself. So he did go try and go seek his spirituality. And I think, again, I think I was just born that way. I actually had a lot of abilities as a little girl and I think I turned them all off because I think it's our natural state is to have intuitive abilities, to have whatever supernatural abilities. And we shut them down, you know, just in the process of, of that was just not recognized in our culture. Yeah. So no, I just, I mean, I think I, I, I was not, I wasn't even in a conversation. I began to get really interested. I was, I made a huge commitment. That's what happened with my, when I had my stillborn and I was in a cold, dark room saying goodbye to his body. And I thought he's gone, but his body's here, you know, after giving birth to his body and you know, and you just have that moment and you're like, I don't care what I do. I've got to figure out what our spiritual nature is. And that's what sent me on what now has been a 24 year track of, of seeking. Wow. 
Well, I am honored and I appreciate that you are willing to share that with us. I know even how long ago that was, it has to be deep, a deep part of you. But I just think it's so interesting that it's almost like those are the those are the circumstances that bring us to change. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a, I consider it the biggest blessing in my life. And honestly, after I've done my trauma work, I don't have any emotion around it because I know that life is eternal and I know it's the same soul as my son. And, and it's I don't have any, it's a kind of weird. People are like, what's wrong with you? But honestly, I don't have any sadness around it. I actually look at it like this is beautiful experience that was really for the growth because I believe all of life is just for one thing and it's for our growth and our evolution and for us to awaken to our true nature. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you're in, it, we're, we're eight minutes in and you're already inspiring me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so real quick, I want to back into Good Morning La La Land because I heard you say that it's a show about positivity, you know, entrepreneurship, um, just spreading, spreading a, a positive word. And I was thinking, being the founder of that, I, I just imagine you pitching this to someone and there being no other news channels that are based around positivity and what what that conversation might have sounded like. I know how badly it was yeah. needed, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine, I can imagine maybe the pushback you had. Did you? Well, I mean, look, we all were inspired by Oprah. I don't know if you watched, you're right. probably younger than me, but I was highly, highly inspired by Oprah. And I also loved... Regis and it wasn't Kelly back then. Uh, what's her name? Kathy Lee. Yeah. Because every day it was like they were in my house with me, you know, and they were entertaining me and they were my friends. Yeah. They were sitting so, on the couch with you. Right. Yeah. So when I was in ministry school and I was like, you know, would, would pray to my higher self saying, please let me be used for good and let me teach truth. But I didn't necessarily identify with traditional church because I feel like it's just like the younger generations just don't identify it. And and I don't believe in traditional like a man outside of the sky. And I was just asking like, what is that vision? And one day the vision came and it was a show and I was not in the industry. I didn't, I didn't care about the industry. I didn't care about being a celebrity, but I knew that I thought, oh yeah, this is brilliant because you can have truth trickle in and influence people without having it be too preachy, without, you know, all that stuff or dogma or whatever. And and it, I actually didn't preach, preach the sh- pitch the show at all. What happened was I went in for another interview in Focus TV and I kind of hit it off the producer and I said, you know, I've always kind of thought I want a show. And he goes, well, go ahead, you know. And I actually started um, a different show and we did a few interviews and I said, I don't think this is the show. I think we need to have a daily morning show, because I don't think that it is, it doesn't develop people in the habit of getting into right mind if it's not very consistent. So he said, well, I don't know who we get to do that every single morning, you know? And um, I said, well, I have one host. I've known Rob Mack. I'd known for 12 years, a good friend of mine. And then the other co-host, Jeslyn Moyer, um, had come in and she was a hard worker and uh, she had been in the industry as an entertainment reporter. So we just went for it. We actually just thought we we're going to be doing it for 90 days as kind of an experiment. And the 90 days came and went and we all kind of went to each other and went, what do you think it's been, you know, it's, we're just about our 90 days. And everyone said, well, I'm not quitting. I mean, this is like so much. So, I mean, because everything we, we, we had, we were meeting everybody. I mean, we've had, you know, almost 2000 people on the show now. We know every single person in LA. We are, you know, it's just like a, a amazing flow of energy every day, bringing positivity, showcasing everything from nonprofits to great actors, to coaches, to whatever, showcasing how they overcame stuff. So how could you not do that? You know? Wow. No, it sounds like a dream job. (laughs) 
Cause it's my... not, it's uh, not easy sometimes though. Oh, you, know, you get makeup ready five days a week. And sometimes you're like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> I, I watch you and I was going to ask what your morning routine looks like. Cause I usually see you up at 4am. You know, it's, I think it's different. My son's raised, I'm not married. And my mission is my, you know, my main focus. And so it, it's actually very easy but I, I don't think it would be very easy for a lot of people because it's, you know, it, you have to be very focused in what you're doing. Is it really true that you come up with your content every morning before you get to the show? Yep. And you know what's funny is we, we listen, there's a three-part series on Oprah. In fact, we had Elle Reckington on the show of 25 time, years of, uh, 25 years of, of Oprah's producer. She was on the show and she had us listen to this podcast as a three-part series. And, you know, they'd been doing that show for 25 years. And she said, when we started the show, we had no idea what we're, what the content was going to be for the next day. We were like, what are you dealing with? What are you dealing with? Okay, cool. Let's talk about that. Like, yeah, that's how you're all. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just love hearing stuff like this. Cause sometimes there's such a message out there that we have to have it together. And we, we have to be following our mission and our passion every day. And, but some people's passion is just to serve and share with others. And the fact that you can kind of figure out that content every day around how to serve other people is amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, what you did, which is, you know, taking a quantum leap out of out of what once some people would consider safety, which I don't consider safety at all, leaving a corporate position. But for you is a huge, courageous thing. So it's all relative, right? It's all relative. And and I think that raising a child at home is much harder than going to a studio and putting your makeup on and, and creating by a long shot. I've been there. It's not easy at all. And so I don't, I don't think it's hard. And I think that's the beauty of life and the circle of life is it always puts us through exactly what we need to be developed, to go onto and graduate to the next course. Right. Always. Right. Always. So tell me, tell me when in your life, when your life kind of aligned for you to write Awakening, this 40-day guide to unleash your soul's powers. Oh like my gosh, Jessica, let me tell you. If I can write a book, anybody can write a book. First of all, I <laughs> suck in English, okay? Like secondly, like I literally was like dyslexic growing up. I flunked, I flunked English. Uh, and I had been writing, because I, I had been on this track and I was like, you know, I was trying everything under the sun in consciousness, not drugs, but in, in the fact of like, I was seeking Greek oracle processes, uh, every seminar, um, shamanism, uh, pure shamanism, uh, everything I could get my hands on. And what happened was I began to take kind of my own notes for myself because I've had these huge epiphanies through all the work and through meditating. And, and I would want to remember the distinctions. And then when I was in doctorate, I'm um, doing my doctorate, there were so many distinctions that I was like, how am I going to remember all this stuff, you know? So I had had it almost like a, a blog kind of a thing for myself. And then I was like, this is a book. And so I had to like, I rearranged the book like three times. It was like, I mean, it was it, honestly, it was the hardest thing. It was harder than anything I've ever done in my life. I'm not going to lie. But I wrote the book for two reasons. Number one is that little girl myself at the age of 22 alone in a cold, dark room after she gave birth to her dead baby's body. I thought, what, what would I want at that point in time? And if someone could have given me a book that explained what was going on, that's why I wrote the book. And secondly, I had a mentor that was an, she's an 80 something year old, gorgeous, dropped dead, amazing consciousness woman. And she gave a talk one day and she said, what is the one thing 
that you would do, that if you completed that one thing, you knew you could do anything in this life. And I just knew it was like, oh gosh, I, she just called me out on my, you know, whatever I have to write that book. So that's why I wrote the book and the book's been great. It's been, it went viral over in the UK and it's been very well received. So it's like, it was so, oh my gosh, talk about being vulnerable to write a book and put your book out. I'm sorry. You know, you put me naked on a stage. It would be not be as vulnerable as putting your book out to the world. Really? You're on air every day. How? You don't don't have to watch people read the book. (laughs) Because I was, because I was insecure about my, about my writing abilities. But you had someone edit it, right? Of course, of course. But even with the editor, you yeah. just felt like someone was because well, you when you s- read your book, when you ask any author, and they'll tell you when they read their book one day they think this is the most genius thing ever, and the next day they read their book and they're like, should I throw it out? Is it stupid? <laughs> I mean, you just know that like there's books like the power of, of uh, I think it was called the power of your subconscious. He literally threw the book in the trash. His wife picked it back out, and it became like I mean, it's a world renowned book, right? Like so authors are like, you know, it's our art. We don't know. It's us. It's like telling a, a, you know, a goldfish what water is, you know, you just like, it's, I don't know it's here. I don't know if it's good or bad, or it's just, it is what it is. You don't know your own content because of what you know. Right. It's not until it's received and you go, oh, it's actually like, get some good feedback. Okay, cool. Yeah. This is, you have a podcast, right? Yes. This is why, Doctor... sorry, go ahead. It's Dr. Aaron. Dr. Aaron. Right. So it, this is why this is the same as like, have you ever put an ep- have you ever put an episode together last minute because you didn't have any content? And you're like, I'm just gonna throw that out there. And everyone is like, Oh, my God, that was the best thing ever. Because you just talked about something that you were like, very real and whatever. Yeah, you were very yeah. real. And you knew what you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I get it. I get it. It's because it's if it's if it's content and the things that we study and we understand and we love to talk about all the time. Sometimes it's hard for us to see our genius. Or and it's hard for me to convey. I mean, even as a speaker, I'm, you know, have come a very long way in my abilities to speak. And now I'm, you know, uh, what I would consider a good speaker. But when I first started speaking, I couldn't put two sentences together. People couldn't understand. They're like, I didn't quite get what you meant by that. Like, cause I, you know, like, so it takes sometimes, you know, sometimes people just see the end result and the developed person. But when you first get your first live stream, I remember doing my first live stream on Facebook or maybe it was Periscope or something like that. And I couldn't, I would stumble. The comments would come in. I couldn't remember what I was talking about. No, but then you do it every day and then you, you know, you become, you master it. Oh, I love what you're saying. Cause it's not even, it's, this is not even deep. This is just take the first step, take the second step and keep taking the steps until it becomes something like literally practice makes perfect or perfect practice or turns into something. <laughs> yeah. You're just teaching yourself how to do something. And people literally run from the idea of doing something that they don't know how to do as if you yeah. don't have to start somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. You had a message today that I was like, we have to talk about that. You were, mm-hmm. you were talking about um, what I consider what is like a fad right now. Everyone is talking about manifesting, manifestation, which I do believe. I absolutely believe. I've seen it come true in my own personal life. But you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how manifestation is great and you can vision all day what you want. But everyone is a visionary. It's it's how do you actually 
keep it. That just visioning something is not how you figure out how to keep it. Yeah. So how it went was uh, these gals actually was on their podcast the other day, and they're really smart girls. So I don't I don't mean to uh, say anything negative, but they were talking about having the vibrational equivalent, which is an Abraham Hicks, you know, thing, which all of us know the law of attraction and the law of attraction just, you know, is like one law of many laws and the law of attraction, you know, sums it up, I guess you could say, but the mental equivalent, right. Or the, or the vibrational match, I'm sorry. And, and she, and I was talking about embodiment. And so her question was, so if I want to be a TV host, it's not just about the feeling, it's about also embodying it. So she goes, so how do you embody it? Do you just put on the right clothes of what a host would be and, and get in that vibrational match? And I thought, oh boy, that's not what I mean. But so look, I've been there. I remember watching The Secret years ago and mm-hmm. doing that little visioning board and sitting in my closet and meditating and visioning the white Range Rover and the, you know, da 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 and all that stuff. And guess what? It, most of the stuff came true on that vision right. board. Right. But one of two things generally happened for people. Well, three things happened out of, of doing that type of things where you actually just really vision it. One is either you're not able to. Two, you're able to, but you're not able to keep it. Or three, you manifest it and you're not fulfilled. Right. So true embodiment is where you become completely the mental equivalent of it. So the, the, an, an example of this would be, let's pretend somebody wants to embody or sorry, manifest their dream partner or something like that. So you could sit there and, and visualize because there is the law of, of uh, transmutation. What is held in mind has to take form and there has to be like a vibrational match. And yes, like your perfect partner may show up at your doorstep. Your friend comes over and they're like, by the way, I have a friend coming with me, right? That Like it can definitely happen. But the reality is that that person probably hasn't embodied what it means to be the dream partner. So they, they may, you know, be someone who still gets triggered and they're, you know, sabotage it and they whatever else. So even though that dream partner showed up because they were able to hold that vision, they're not able to embody what it takes to be the mental equivalent to sustain that manifestation. Wow. 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 Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm just thinking this through and, right and, now. <laughs> and, so, and so they've proven this also through, through lottery. They found that people who win the lottery generally within six months of winning the lottery are back to whatever financial situation or whatever mindset they were in. Meaning that if they were miserable before they got that money, they're generally miserable six months later. If they were broke and they really struggled with financial issues, they generally lost all the money. So this is the, kind of tying into like limiting beliefs, like your money mindset. Like Yeah, it's all trauma. It's all subconscious work. It's all I, shifting the identity. All spiritual work, all inner work is an identity shift and, and shifting out those limiting beliefs. But they're not just limiting beliefs. They're actually limited identity is what it is. So I guess for those that because I have so many friends that are reading books right now about manifestation and um, people that are doing manifest exercises every morning, which are totally fine. What do you think the one thing is they might need to know or that they're missing? Because I know you're, you're explaining how there's inner work required, sure. but what's the one I thing? There's two. 
So I, I completely agree with having daily spiritual practices and getting your mind right and, and, and building that muscle. You know, it's like going to the gym the first time and the gym, it's, it's hard the first time and to build the muscle takes time and effort. So yes, we want to build those neurological pathways of positivity and potential for sure. So you want to have that. What they're missing is probably two things. One is the feeling. So a lot of times we will do, we'll go through the motions in our daily spiritual practice. We will, we'll meditate. We'll, we'll say, oh, some affirmations and we'll say some gratitude, but we don't actually get into that ecstatic state. See, cause trauma works, limiting beliefs and trauma are one and the same in that a trauma happens when you're in a high, high state of negative emotion where you are like in a fight or flight, huge, huge emotion. And you declare a command of limiting beliefs and your subconscious says, and so it is, we'll never love again. Uh, love hurts. I can't do this. Whatever it is that you command to actually reprogram the subconscious mind and manifest you actually, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to get into the opposite an ecstatic state and command the truth into your subconscious mind, right? So having a daily spiritual practice is good for having habits. Habits take time. They are a slow little projection of whatever. And so, yes, but how you reprogram the subconscious mind in a slow, steady way through a daily spiritual practice is through the feeling. It's through the feeling and directing of the mind. So most people will do that. They'll do affirmations, but they don't actually believe the affirmation. You could say an affirmation a thousand times, but if you don't feel that by the affirmation it's not going to do anything wow okay so i got i have a deeper question um i've had this happen with friends i've even have had this happen to myself where we manifest something it comes true we're so excited we live it out we play it out it happens in our life the circumstance applies whatever it is and then it doesn't feel as good as we thought it would does that make yeah, sense so did you see the bird did you see bird box Yes. Okay. So for me, I mean, Bird Box represents the basics of all spirituality in that if you look to the world for anything, your joy, your fulfillment, your uh, validation, anything, you will go insane. It will never, ever, ever be enough. Give you anything. There's only source, sources within. And sources, so if you're looking outside for love, if the minute you assign somebody as your joy, that you instantly assign them as your suffering. Ooh. If you assign if you assign money as your worth, it's just gonna be a, a matter of time till you have like low self-worth. If you if you're looking to out there for any picture that's gonna be fulfilling you, that that makes you fulfilled, then you instantaneously make anything out there be your source of not being fulfilled. I can't get over what you said. The minute you assign someone as your joy, you assign them as the person that's going to make you suffer or the yeah, thing that's going to make you, you suffer. Have, you can't have one without the other. Wow. And that that's just as simple that love hurts. Oh, it's just simple that if you assign anything outside of yourself, it's you will be the effect. You The extent to which you assign anything outside of yourself is the extent to which you will be disempowered. Wow. So how does one stay, and, and I know this, the answer is spirituality, but on a deeper level, how does one stay empowered? How does one continue to not seek the world for outer joy? That's the trillion dollar question, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> what can uh, I practice every day? <laughs> right. You know, well, I do know the, uh, we actually, I actually do some subconscious work, uh, regarding that. And what the process is, is actually what even the 12 steps would say is taking inventory. Where have you handed your power over to life and really taking inventory of all the times, all the ways, everything, and acknowledging that you did that. 
you place the power out there. And just in acknowledging that, you restore and recover your power. Wow. Wow. Whew. Well, this is going to bring me to my next, if, if you're as amazed as I am right now, <laughs> by Dr. Erin. <laughs> she has an amazing women's group. And, and before we talk about Soul Society, I want to ask you, um, on your Instagram, you title it Girl Church. Uh, yeah, love that because I was like, there has to be some uniqueness around it. But my question for you was, what is different about it that is, or what about your women's group is different than traditional church? Because you've studied theology for years. You came out of it on the other side feeling like you needed to birth something different. Well, first of all, I want to say that girl church doesn't stand for girl. It stands for gorgeous, infinite real limitless spirits and and so we we know we're we're not i'm not a man i'm not a woman i am not this body i'm not my beliefs i'm a divine spirit and and you know we just did a hashtag on that soul society has all kinds of things and we played around with some different things and we did one hashtag girl church and it was standing room only so we thought oh we have something here right right and i think that it the point is is that i think like um Joseph Campbell says, he says, I don't think people are necessarily looking for the meaning of life. They're looking to feel fully alive. And I think that that's the point of what Girl Church represents for people is that, you know, just really fully owning your own expression. And that's the goal. My goal is not to necessarily develop spiritual leaders as um, seven-figure coaches. Yes, some of them will become that. But my goal really is to have them become the highest and most expressed them, period, whatever that is, however they define that. Wow. So how long have you been doing this? Because you're the founder of this this group. We just launched that company January, January 1st. What happened is I used to work with celebrities and CEOs and single moms, I'm very highly trained in subconscious reprogramming. So I have been hired, you know, by a lot of people to do one-on-ones for years and help addicts and help, you know, all kinds of people break through all kinds of things. And what happened is it just was a natural progression because you can only take one-on-ones for so long. It's, it's very, it's amazing. And it, it's, it's intensive. You know, you're, I'm tracking through people's like insanity for, of all lifetimes. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot of, it's a lot of conscious work. And so it just was a natural evolution to go, how do I get this out to the masses? And uh, the goal with Soul Society is to be the number one spiritual leaders community in the world committed to enlightenment, empowerment, and entrepreneurship. And we will be in, the goal is to really be in all major cities by the end of 2019. We already have ambassadors in UK, Germany, New York, you know, of course, California, San Diego, um, Las Vegas, all over. So we, we haven't even really even, I mean, we have, we've been very successful and honestly, we haven't paid a dime in, in advertising, not a dime. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I thought you had been doing this for at least a year. <laughs> no, I mean, I've been doing, you know, I've been doing one-on-ones for, you know, 10 plus years, but yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you said something about your one-on-one clients that I wanted to, cause you kind of glossed over it cause we've gotten pretty deep today, but you talked about, um, most of your one-on-ones were all about subconscious reprogramming and we've kind of been light on that on my podcast, but can you just briefly tell my audience how powerful subconscious reprogramming is with just about any state that you might be in? Sure. I mean, science has it something like it's 97% of all of behavior is in the, in the subconscious. I mean, your subconscious mind is, 
everything. And when you first had to walk, you know, as a little baby, it took every ounce of effort because you're doing it for the first time. The subconscious mind automates everything. Can you imagine the, I mean, the, the millions of, of, information coming in every day, how much you'd have to commute, compute. So the subconscious mind just collapses everything. So basically it, it remembers the good and the bad. So if you had trauma, uh, you know, and you, in that trauma, love hurt, the subconscious mind just says love hurts. And so every time we are going to have love, we're going to make sure it hurts. And we're going to make sure we recreate that because that's what we know. And that it, it collapses into one hurt equals love, love equals hurt, period. It doesn't, and so you have to uncollapse that. And how do you uncollapse that? You've got to get in there. And I explain it like a, a computer is the best way to explain it. So if you look at your computer, your phone right now, whatever you're on, and you touch that computer or phone, that's considered your hardware. So your body is like your hardware. You have certain neurons, you have whatever. The software, if you touch your computer or phone, it you have software and it's, it's, that can be upgraded or, or downgraded, whatever. You Your your software is your belief systems. It's, it's your programming. You have programming. It's done through your DNA. The memory epigenetics now proves that you have your memory of all lifetimes in your genes. You also get programmed through the culture, through your parents, through whatever else. And then if you take a look at your computer, there's memory also, right? Our memory is what we call Akashic records. All mental pictures that have ever happened are, you have memory around all of them. And some of them have what's considered charge and negative polarity on meaning that if you think about a mental picture, something happened, you could go, Oh, I don't want to think about that. Right. Well, that is running your life right now. It's like having a computer and having a little ball spin around. You're like, it's not working right. That's why we get confused, overwhelmed. Why do I know I should be doing something, but then I sabotage it. That's the little thing that goes, okay, you need to pull up all your documents in your computer. You need to complete those cycles. You need to organize them. You may even, even re need, reboot your whole computer. That's subconscious work. We're clearing out your cache. I'm mind blown. It's fun stuff, right? That's fun. It's amazing. Like obsessed with this work. I love it. And you are definitely the best at it. I've spent just about the last year and a half, two years, um, just understanding the subconscious mind, understanding how to control my thoughts. Um, and it has changed my life indefinitely. But hearing from, you know, the master, the doctor of divinity, <laughs> the, the person that has just kind of really studied this, um, I can tell you dive deep into it and you... You're make listen. You're making me want to be a part of this group already. <laughs> right, you got to come along. I mean, the thing is, Jessica, is this: is that this work gave me my life. Right. I mean, that's the truth. The truth is that I was dying inside. Mm. You know, I, if you had looked at me when I was in my twenties, I was a pretty girl, and I was dying inside. And this work gave me a life beyond my wildest dreams. No, no joke. Coming from a, you know, dysfunctional upbringing, I had bulimia, I was date raped, I was divorced, mm. I was all of it. I was not an educated woman, I was whatever. The point is you can do it. If you have the determinism and you seek truth and you seek your healing, I promise you, you are going to have a life beyond anything you have could ever recognize for yourself. I never thought in a million years I would be doing what I'm doing. Did you ladies hear that? I know I have audience members out there that are in such similar situations. And you're listening to Dr. Aaron and you're thinking, wow, she's she's done so much research. She's gone to years and years of school. She's so intelligent. 
And she's telling you, you don't need any of that. All you have to do is seek the truth and look inward. 100%. You were absolutely amazing. Thank you for every ounce of gem and everything you dropped today. Um, I feel like I was, I got shifted in 30 minutes. So (laughs) thank you for showing up for yourself. And I know that you're inspiring so many people by doing that. You know how many people want to leave their job that and it's hard and it's scary and they need to get educated and you're helping guide them and bringing, you know, people and wisdom. And so thank you so much for everything you're doing. Oh, thank you for joining us. And please tell um, all of my listeners where they can stalk you, find you, and learn <laughs> more about Soul, Soul Society. And even if yes, they want to yes, check yes. out Good Morning La La Land. I could, could. So across all social media, I'm TV. So that's just D-R-E-R-I-N.TV. You can go to the website's TV as well. You can find my podcast app, Dr. Aaron, Dr. Aaron, and that has 30 guided meditations, free guided meditations on my app. And then you can, you know, you can go to uh, soulciety.com, which is spelt with an E on the end. So it's S-O-U-L-C-I-E-T-E.com. And there's freebies. You can get money, worksheets and meditations and all that stuff. Um, If anyone wants my free book and guided meditations PDF, I'll give that to you as well. You can just message me or whatever. So it's all great. We give, give, give. And guess what? The universe has to reflect it back. So just keep giving, keep serving, and it all works out. Absolutely. That she said it best. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.